Before we get into today's episode, I've created a short questionnaire that will help me get to know you better. Those that fill out the questionnaire will get entered into a draw to win an Amazon gift card. So there's a link in the description for the episode. Click it, fill out the questionnaire, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Now for today's episode. This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Chow Cheng Shaolin, who is the co-founder and CEO of ShelterZoom, which is a blockchain-based SaaS provider, but essentially it reads and stores documents. So there's a lot of information talk and how we process it and how we store it. And there's a lot that we're going to talk about today. But Chow, thanks for joining me. Yeah. Hi. Nice to really be on the show. So I thought I'd start with actually is how close are you to owning this multicultural restaurant that uh, I hear you're quite passionate about different cultures and different foods. And so how close is that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that will be after shelterism. And one of my missions uh, is to revolutionizing Americans' Chinese food. The, I could not believe anyone would cook such food. <laughs> you know, it's just not even, uh, you know, it's, it, it shouldn't even be on the menu. Yeah. So it's uh, the culture has changed so much. You know, it's, uh, even though I spent most of my life in Australia and in Melbourne, we have very decent um, Chinese food. It's uh, authentic and it's just delicious. Here in America, I haven't found one restaurant. It's such a tragic. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely not Chinese food. <laughs> oh, nightmare. Is that <laughs> one of the ways I know that a different culture restaurant is actually any good is when there are locals there so whenever yeah. I visit like a, a Chinese restaurant I go oh there's plenty of Chinese Asian kind of people in it must be a good place if if they're eating here so it's one of the ways I use as like a, a litmus test for different restaurants um so that's where I kind of thought about things like privacy and information and there must be so much that goes into things like documentations and things like that. How much actually goes on behind the scenes? Because I know you did some work with the Vatican as well. So what goes into that? Because some of their documentation must be religious, must be sensitive information. What do you have to do to be able to handle that kind of information? Yeah, documentation, right? If you think about the history, really the document. Um, really as part of the culture, part of our civilization. And throughout the history, you know, probably have more documents than uh, <laughs> sometimes called, uh, you know, leaves on the tree. And there's so much data. That's why, you know, the data is now everywhere. So when it comes to uh, a very early uh, project we did, uh, which you mentioned is with uh, the Vatican's uh, Pontifical Orientalist Institute. So that library actually collects such a precious uh, set of um, information and manuscripts and the only copy in the world. So a lot of scholars and uh, research um, you know, historians, they actually, uh, every year, they will go to um, that library and sit there and they'll study for like uh, 60 days. And now uh, after the COVID hit, it was really difficult to travel to Rome. And then also um, the uh, rector, um, Father Nazar, had a very uh, strong desire to share this knowledge uh, with the world. So uh, the, uh, the problem was 
without a control of the data, without this privacy security, and letting uh, the library, the um, you know, the Vatican Institute fully control those manuscripts, and things can go all over the place. People will post, people will copy and manipulate history. So that's really when our solution comes in is to tokenize all those manuscripts. So Shoutizun uh, really invented the world's very first document token back in 2018. And we patented uh, the technology and we also created a very user-friendly applications to for uh, any users or any uh, business and enterprises to um, tokenize and immediately secure their documents. And then from there onwards, you have the ownership you can track, you can control people's uh, access rights. And then also um, because it's one token, instead of you sending out multiple copies or uh, hundreds or thousands of copies, and it really reduce um, the data pollution as well. So you really shrink the targets to minimum. And now the cybersecurity is be becomes much stronger. So that's probably just one practical example. It must be a bit strange when entire libraries can be condensed into maybe a few hundred tokens on, on your system. That must have a, a strange impact on the environment as well. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's actually a huge thing. And what uh, we created is called Single Source of Truth uh, Technology. And we even uh, trademarked that name, Single Source of Truth. So what actually uh, that means is all the, um, the document, and it really should be uh, shrink down to one original copy. And uh, for example, your driver's license, your passport, and why do you have so many copies in the world and it's not secure and your identity can be stolen. If you have that on one token only, every time when the authority or uh, someone actually needs to access that, you just share that token with them, but you're not physically share a document. So they just get access to that token and they can view the information and they may sometimes have to share further with other authorities and you give them share rights, but everyone point back to the same token. So the environmental impact is huge. So what we believe is um, the uh, you know it, on average, right? Every uh, company like with a one thousand employees each year, they you know uh, through the um, the digital waste uh, wastage by duplicating data all over the place, really like a, creates a lot of environmental harm. So this uh, method it immediately will. Um, will um, really make the companies much more sustainable, plus infrastructure costs will reduce a lot. So there's a lot of benefits. What do you think about responsibility? Because if you've got one individual token for the document, I imagine it depends on what the document is. But if you've got things like religious texts, if you've got private information, passports, driving licenses, there must be a lot of responsibility to make sure that it's accurate, that it's in air quotes true for, for what the information is. And there must be an element of quality control, if I'm not mistaken, where you've got to make sure that it's it's authenticated, it's legitimate in some way. How do you do that? Is there a way of doing that? Is it possible, do you think, to have something like that? Yeah, so it really comes down to who actually is the, uh, the legitimate uh, original owner. So in the manuscript, uh, that uh, scenario, obviously, that library has a copyright, they own all those. So they, uh, um, you know, authenticate through that and then own the whole library uh, 
tokens. So then when it comes to healthcare, for example, the original uh, institute or provider who creates that medical record, they actually uh, is an original owner, but then there is a uh, process now we already uh, actually created is to give a patient the full access and control over their own medical records. Because uh, in uh, some countries, like especially in EU, and um, the patients really should be only in the records, not the provider. So now we actually, um, you know, enabling patients to fully own and control their data. And then at any time when they go to another uh, doctor or they travel to another country, they can immediately share the token about their past, um, you know, the um, the physical records or any uh, recent hospitalization, any conditions they're having. So then they don't need to worry, uh, have to like have a huge delay when you try to request a, a previous provider to transfer medical records to the next provider, because that typically takes 48 hours to even up to a week. And so, uh, so now through our tokenization technology, you can also save lives. It must be a bit strange when we start talking about things like responsibility because in my head I'm I'm kind of processing some of the repercussions of having texts tokenized in a way that allows everyone to have access to it how do you think about things like privacy and and security because it, it must be important you must be able to lock certain things so that not everyone has access to all of it just because of the the repercussions and how sensitive the information is yeah, so actually, uh, probably here I need to give uh, you know the public a little bit of education. There are two types of um, blockchain. The one we use is permission based, so it's totally private, and so you uh, you only uh, allow people you want to give access to and to get access to that token. So let's say for uh, for one token, I'm only sharing with you, and you're the only one can access apart from myself as the owner. But if you want to share further with uh, five of your colleagues, like let's say you're um, working on a project or uh, you know looking through some documentation, and I can switch the share uh, rights on for you, and then you share with other people, but I still can have full control over all six people. And then when it comes to uh, like the download rights, so typically it's switched off. We don't let anyone download because one is you don't want uh, people to take uh, copies offline, then they probably do something to manipulate the information. Another thing is we try to really control the sustainability as well. Don't want to create the data uh, pollution like the Web2 environment. So, so here, but if you do need to download, uh, especially if I transfer the ownership rights to you or do other things, and then I can switch the download button on for you as well. So that's just one scenario. Obviously, there are diff many different scenarios, but overall is people um, have to have the access rights assigned by the owner before you can actually access. So it's totally private. I'm picturing it actually preventing some elements of being manipulated with information as well. Like if there are so many different copies, every single one of them could be slightly different, exactly. leaning towards the person that took it, let's say. So you could say, oh, I'm actually 18. When you're not, you're 16. So that, that's a very basic example. For everything from the age of some people to religious texts, it's quite common knowledge now that things have changed over time, whether it's religious or otherwise. Things shift. Things. It's almost like a giant game of Chinese whispers in a way 
But it's it's that kind of situation that you, in some ways, would try and prevent that. So it has an element of history, but it's maintained. So it's more solid. It's more secure, but it's also more... I'm trying to think of the right word now. But like it's more consistent. It's more constant. It's more trustable because of how long it's been in that state for. There's an element of, like I suppose, legacy content or legacy information where it's been around for so long and it's not changed for so long that must lend itself to be able to trust it more being able to respect it more because of how long it stayed the same for yeah that's right that's why um you know the solution we provide it truly can um, prevent the uh, disinformation you know like a kind of like a lot of people now call fake news and the fake news is everywhere because you cannot trust any of those content. Everyone can Photoshop, everyone can manipulate some, something and then add their own uh, very subjective view into any reporting, right? So through the, um, the blockchain tokenization, not only you have that trust, and but also because you reduce all this um, manipulation of the data so much. So for example, in our mobile app, now you take a um, like a photo, and immediately get tokenized, you cannot even Photoshop. So if you do that, this actually gives you such a concrete evidence, something has happened or hasn't happened. And then there is a proof. So because, uh, for example, if you are a um, insurance, you know, more related to business applications, of course, like an insurance adjuster, you go out and, uh, you know, people taking photos of, oh, yeah, this is a damage caused by flood. And they can take a photo, they Photoshop, make it looking really worse. And then you can submit a claim and get a lot of money back. But now with our technology, you take a photo, immediately tokenize, and an insurance company can be um, very certain you really haven't um, done anything to it because that's original damage. So there's, uh, you know, the same applies to police department, fraud investigation, evidence, all of those really uh, eliminate all this disinformation. So at the end of the day, if the media or, you know, other kind of uh, industry adopt that as well, and it's just really ensure whatever we hear is a true news. So now like a lot of people don't switch off TV, everything, you know, I haven't watched TV for probably many years now. It's because you don't even know what to trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is like uh, almost all fake. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird world that we're in now. Like the amount of videos that you can crop and take out of context and interviews that you can chop up similar to this one where people would probably chop up different parts of the conversation and make it out that it leans towards their own agenda you know like uh chow clearly said that this is this and this it's a well mm, not really not really you can put someone's face on top of that even (laughs) exactly yeah so you're in a space now where you need some actual information actual information not something that someone has taken from somewhere else and bent it in such a way that fits their own way of seeing the world one of the little questions i did have though was let's say you take a picture and it's instantly tokenized does that have something on it which tells people that it was taken with the app versus let's say let's say it's a video that you edited and then put on shelter zoom you didn't record it in app 
you took the video from somewhere else. So I'm, I'm picturing someone manipulating it before putting it on Shelter Zoom. If you take it with the app, you can't do that. What if you just add it after you've edited it, if that makes sense? Yeah, I know. So it's a <clears throat> understand uh, what you mean. If you actually take as a, a thing like a, on the spot and you cannot really change and there's a proof, there's a, a um, token ID link with that and making sure it's immutable. But if you already manipulate, even say the, the sky, you blocked out, you make it a green sky, let's say, and then you take a photo, it's unfortunately, it's really hard to for the application to really know uh, that was already a fake original, you know. So yeah, we, which is very sad. But uh, um, but at least it really filters out the majority of um, photoshopping and you know, all these um, you know very <clears throat> untrustworthy kind of activities. I think as well something that tells people mm -hmm. that it was taken within the app might help. It's almost like a way of verifying what it is because I, I could take multiple different pictures edit them in loads of different ways all of the same thing but I've just changed something slightly put it all up as different things but the different yeah. pictures of the same thing and they could all be misconstrued as being the actual picture uh, yes, right. so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird it's a weird thing isn't it because you think oh well maybe it's it is helping of course it's helping there are lots of things mm. that you're able to do that you can't do elsewhere mm. but then you yeah. always have that risk of it's an amazing tool but then how do people use this tool like yeah. people use mainstream media for their own gain people use social media for their own gain people will likely find a way of using shelter zoom and their verification or their elements of truth truthing yeah um, single source of truth yeah that's single true. source of truth that's yeah it. so some people will find a way of using that for for their own ends as well and it, it is it's a bit must be a bit frustrating and a bit saddening for you when you realize okay well this problem of fake news is becoming more and more likely to be a human issue as opposed to a technology issue because we all blame social media and yeah media, but we're the ones that are filling the, the pipeline aren't we that's right and also really every um kind of corner of your life you can see um the uh, at the end of the day uh, things um developed to prevent um more uh, people actually doing the wrong thing so for example you have a uh, alarm you know in your house to prevent a lot of um, people like a robbery uh, from happening, but you can't really prevent maybe a one or two individuals. They know how to di disarm you, and then they know you know they can monitor and they can figure out a way still to uh, you know really like a rob your house. It's a similar thing, and um, but I think uh, the more uh, our type of applications around, and the more you actually onboard people, you feel like a, like a trustworthy organizations and uh, you know hospitals and. Uh, um, the uh, various like legal firms, financial services companies. So the more people actually come in, you know, starting from a really uh, very um, uh, ethical kind of uh, base, I think the more we will promote this trust uh, around the world. It's interesting that you bring up ethics as well, because it's making me think of what kind of things do you see that's ethical and then 
unethical in the information space. I mean, I get that things are being manipulated all the time, but there must be a line between you doing things to benefit you, but then at what point do you cross into, well, now you're just immoral and unethical and you should never even attempt or even think of that. You know, there are some things that you wouldn't even think of doing. What kind of things do you think that we shouldn't be doing with information? What kind of mistakes do people make? Um, so one of the things I think uh, if uh, all the document management systems really struggle with is uh, um, people actually can still take a screenshot, <clears throat> not necessarily say screenshot in, within the app because you can block that out now. But if you use a camera, let's say, if you use a third party camera and you still can take a photo, right? So that actually <clears throat> caused a lot of uh, data leak. And interestingly, data leak in this uh, kind of scenarios coming from internal people instead of external hackers or other um, type of, uh, you know, the um, professional um, kind of uh, hackers. So uh, how we actually can also prevent that because uh, we actually <clears throat> developing a technology to uh, try to prevent, not say completely prevent, but absolutely discourage people to do that. So I think there's just so many doors people can enter um, if they truly want to get hold of some data <clears throat> for their own benefits, like a huge profit or whatever, they will do that. And um, but the, from our system design and the, um, you know, the usage perspective, the more a service provider can think through all the scenarios, the better we can actually really give uh, those trust back to the society. So, so we basically having a mission called zero data breach. So there's no way, no door for you to breach your data. And if we can achieve that and we can solve such a major problem in the world. So what I actually read uh, some uh, statistics really astonishing. So in United States, uh, more than 460 million patients, um, the the data got hacked for the last uh, it, it, during the um, like last um, 14 years, and that's even more than the U.S. population. So <laughs> so you can imagine like everyone's a victim. So now if we can actually stop the data breach, and there's just no way for the front door, back door, anywhere people can. Um, breach, you know, steal your data, there's no more information leak, and the society will be much more healthy. And everyone deserves that. So because it's like when I first started working back in the 1990s, and it was, we didn't even hear about cybersecurity, the hacking, you know, it was like a, so pure, the, you know, the, the world was much more um, um, kind of less sophisticated in the digital sense, right? And over the years, the last 25 years, it's really changed so much. And now everyone's like worried about, you know, getting hacked, the identity got stolen, even including myself. So now I think we should really restore this world because uh, I think that was really the legacy from Web2. The Web2 encouraged too much of the data, the content creation without respecting people's copyright, without respecting people's privacy, and it's all over the place. So now the Web3 is really the, um, the uh, now to the maturity level and need to restore this, uh, this order. So I totally, um, you know, don't believe anyone should be hacked. Everyone has their rights. It's like your human rights. You have your freedom, speech, and all this. 
But if your uh, basic rights, your your privacy information, you can't even be protected, there's no basic human rights anymore. So I feel that is something Shelterton really loves to help the whole, um, you know, community enterprises, organizations achieve. Yeah. It's always weird when I see people walking around with their phones, taking pictures of everything, taking videos of everything without any real thought to things like permission or copyright or whether they're even allowed to to do it and I have been to a few places where they're proactively saying you're not allowed your your phones during the performance you've got to turn them off that sort of thing I think there's an element of that happening where people are more conscious of people just creating content putting information out there no matter what it is no matter what they're saying it's like it's almost like an irresponsible thing to just record everything put everything out no matter what and in some ways it must benefit in that you know people are more conscious if people are watching they're more likely to not do bad things or break the law or whatever it's because someone's always there with their phone but then in some cases the, the information has to be protected if it's important if it's if it's affecting millions of people then there should be an element of you can't copy this you can't change this it's too valuable it's too important of information you can't just go in and change something just because it suits you I think we need to start seeing more of that because the amount of documents yeah. that are being changed that are being manipulated and then it would help in things like um law cases in like judges and, and court cases where someone can come in and say that it hasn't been manipulated at all you guys at shelter zoom would be able to authenticate it and be said look exactly. this is the original document and it's not been tampered with it must make certain things easier in that regard as well yes exactly the uh, legal side and you can uh, really produce the concrete evidence this is the original and it happened and, um, you know, and it ha hasn't been changed. So, um, so those are a, a lot of uh, good use cases in the legal and, um, you know, say, same thing, the insurance company and with uh, financial services, a lot of like a fraud uh, in real estate. So the, uh, all of those are really falling into our, um, the, the value proposition. How do you see this affecting content then? We would talk about written and legal documents and books and, and things like that. But how about everything from, let's just say this interview as an example. So we can use Shelter Zoom, we can put the audio on there, we can put the video on there, authenticating that it's official, that it, it is, you know, as untampered with as possible. That must go a long way for people that may want to take this and do something different with it if the official unedited content is on there, that must change things again. So does it affect things like social media content? Will people move away from that to shelter Zoom, which would then make me think, okay, well, maybe the thing that's missing is the social media element to shelter zoom so that all the content on the app is authenticated in a way you end up like this new truthful social media whereby full interviews can be on there full articles can be on there full books and audio and it just becomes a place where everything that is on there is as 
official, legitimate, credible as as you can get. Yes. So let's say tomorrow, um, Shoutism becomes a social media platform, or we give this technology to social media providers, and what will happen is um, it actually will let you control your content. You won't have, uh, you know, millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, downloading your content and download this uh, video and uh, manipulate because you only have one token in the world and you hold it and you are the only one having the rights to hold to own this um, uh, uh, video recording and also every time if you do have the editing rights every time you edit there is a new um, blockchain block created so you have different versions. So that means that your original version <clears throat> was the one you really took. Then others you may have edited because you want to cut off some of the comments which you don't want the listeners to hear or maybe some mistakes, hiccups during the recording. So, so you have the whole audit trial. But the, uh, the beauty of this is your audience, none of them can hold off any of your content to uh, manipulate. So that truly, um, you know, give you that peace of mind your content's not going to be, um, you know, really like uh, manipulated or abused even. And yeah, so it, it cuts down a lot of uh, wastage as well. What actually goes into the digital side of content? We've mentioned it a couple of times in passing, but I just thought I'd give you the chance to share a little bit about, okay, you've got 10 or 100 versions of the same video. What does that actually do that, would be different if there was just one version of the video so whether it's infrastructure so the actual hard drives that they would use to store the information that then causes an uptake in the amount of materials that you would need to create said hard drives to store the information on talk to us a bit about the digital footprint of the information and why it's so important to reduce it yeah, so uh, so for the um, the uh, so you mainly looking at the, from the uh, duplicate the data and the um, so if you think about um, in this world right the physical world and it's actually pretty limited the change the uh, even the say construction of a shopping center how many shopping centers can you build how many buses can you build how many uh, aeroplanes can you build and even though they all big uh, emission um, kind of like a, uh, you know source right so they do uh, pollute or whatever but at the end of the day the digital pollution in my opinion at least is the biggest pollution uh, polluter in the world because the digital data increases so much you know, it's just every second is so much um, digital data gets um, produced. And then at the end of the day, you have to have so many um, servers to run this. The infrastructure have to be there. And, the, uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, all the cloud providers, they keep constantly adding more and more storage. Everyone's like have, buying such a big storage now because the data is just growing is uh, really out of control. So all those servers, all those uh, infrastructure uh, is needed and you can put under like a um, server farm or whatever you have to run the cooler you know to keep the temperature and the the emission is unbelievable if you think about uh, like a, for example the email attachment that's where we actually did a lot of study and each attachment is 50 gram uh, the uh, equivalent to co2 
And when you actually send out, so each day, 76 billion attachments get exchanged in the world. And if you just with one person, you duplicate 76 billion copies. So now if you actually send to on average three people that attachment, when you send out, you have three recipients. Now you actually triple that. And if you have reduced down to one token and that token is authenticated and it's genuine, it's uh, you know original and everyone just need to access. And then by the time they finish, you probably can revoke their um, access as well. So no, no more access. So you keep that 76 billion times multiplied by whatever down to uh, you know zero. So in that way, you, the uh, emissions also is uh, it's not just for the environmental impact, it's also for the cost of the the running this infrastructure and uh, uh, you know lots of and the redundancy data sitting everywhere is not safe. You increase the whole target for uh, cyber uh, hacking, right? Because now you have four copies for people to hack instead of just one token, one secure <laughs> token. It's true. So that's yeah. where you reduce so much cost, you know, and for the, um, you know, organizational responsibility or your even personal uh, individual interests, you don't want to do that. You don't want to just keep getting your data out in such a meaningless way. That's an interesting point, actually, when you bring up sensitive information that someone can copy and you might not get the original act or whatever the case is but a copy of it could be so you might yeah. be perfectly safe in the ivory tower that is an impenetrable force that is your cyber security but as soon as you go outside of that if mary down the street makes a copy of it and they're not as secure as you they could still then get hacked and have that information stolen or manipulated or changed. And it must actually make it an easier <clears> job <throat> if ShelterZoom was to make original copies and tokenize everything. It would make the cybersecurity concern that people have a much easier one to deal with. Like cybersecurity is not going to be this big whale of a problem. It just becomes an easier one because you've got one of everything as opposed to five, ten, a hundred, a thousand of everything. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you actually look at uh, um, uh, like the what they call a most secure document management system for financial services, legal, and healthcare, and they are not secure at all. Because when um, people actually ask us, "Oh, what's the difference between uh, your software and uh, those you know big names?" And those big names, as soon as you leave your uh, email and the links can be shared, people can access your data, nothing is encrypted. So you can actually send, for example, through those software, you can send to your um, patient and uh, those uh, data. Inside a hospital, it's encrypted. As soon as you send out on the patient side, nothing is encrypted. And they actually a student can get hacked. And uh, But because most... Um, uh, organizations, you think, oh, on our side is secure enough, that's good enough, we comply, we tick the compliance box, we're HIPAA compliant or we are whatever. But actually, at the end of the day, you're not really protecting your client's information. You're not uh, being responsible. So with our um, um, solution, it's really end-to-end. -end. Your client side is fully protected because everything's encrypted, everything's tokenized. So they have the uh, the encryption key to access, but they also, they are one of the 
the people in this token. And uh, so they actually uh, now is really uh, within this protection zone. So it's a very different concept. Uh, that's why the Web 2, Web 3 is such a huge difference And when it comes to security and privacy. How much would you say of a difference it would make? So you go from Web 2 to Web 3, you've got the information overload that was Web 2 versus the tokenized, cryptoized Web 3 that is like blockchain and things of that nature. How much of a difference do you think it will actually make? Would you say it would be better at first and then all of a sudden all of the the hyper social media content creators of the world just make it a bit more of the same as what we've always had? Or do you think it'll get better, get more refined, and it'll never go back? Or do you think we're just kicking the can down the road? Uh, yeah, if you actually compare a um, Web 2 environment and Web 3, if at the same maturity level, because now obviously Web 2 is extremely mature and over mature, you know, all over the place, and the Web 3 is still at its in infancy, right? But if you actually put a just a hypothesized, um, they are the, at the same level, and the Web 3 is absolutely the uh, killing Web 2. So Web 2 wouldn't even have any place you know, in the world anymore. That's just uh, my view. And it's actually probably view shared by many people because why do you want to be um, in the environment? You know, you're not protected. You can be hacked. You can have a huge stress all over the place. Your information, like for example, now what's scary is in the hospital system, right? Healthcare, every hospital gets hacked on an hourly basis, huge hacks. They get to, into the networked um, device they overdose patients, patients dying for, from that because they can actually uh, access the, the network. They actually give you the wrong, uh, you know, the X-ray, the burned people. So all of those, you know, for example, if you have a pacemaker, they can also uh, destroy you. So now it's, a, the, it's come to the stage, is already your life not even secure. If you are uh, hospitalized, you, in the hospital, you have the drip uh, coming down. You don't even know where the hacker can go in, actually increase the dose. It actually is happening. The reason I know it, because we've been engaging with a lot of hospitals, right, looking at the cybersecurity, how to prevent. Um, this is really tragic tragic for whole, uh, human lives. So if you actually have the secure environment in Web3, there's no way for hackers to enter the door because data is distributed, the uh, key, uh, the encryption key could be distributed and they couldn't even find the door to enter your machine to put it, to overdose you. And now you, you are in a, a much safer area. So I think um, the, you know, the digital world, the internet, it, absolutely advanced our society so much right and now it's you know just to a degree it's so uh, saturated and really like a um now is the the time and companies like shelter zone and i hope many companies can really seriously think about if we keep going that way it's not going to be sustainable at all at the end it will do us more harm than back in the days don't, don't have any internet so we have to find a way still people can enjoy all the uh, freedom using the internet, digital convenience, e-commerce, you know, all these beautiful benefits internet brings you, but you are safe. You're in a very, very good, you know, good area and uh, you're safe, you can trade, you can have your own protection.
So that's, I think, what Web3 is really going to achieve. It's a very, very frightening thought, actually, given that so far the conversation has been fairly, uh, I suppose you could say, deep. But the idea of information tampering, costing lives, it's quite a sobering situation to be in. How do you sleep at night knowing that all this is going on like what what do you do to relax how do you cope with the because it would be like a lot of responsibility for you to make sure that everything's secure everything's tight everything's legitimate as it could be you're not letting people tamper with people's medications pacemakers you name it it's a lot of information and a lot of responsibility that would be on your shoulders if this ever came to pass you know where you're having this single source of truth for everything medical information dosages just as a small fraction of the i guess you could say examples that that we've been speaking about today how do you cope with all of that it sounds like all big weight on your shoulders yeah so i think um you know we are still a relatively small company even though we get uh, recognized quite um highly by Gartner and other industry leaders we still uh, you know really like in our way to make uh, everything happen so the good thing is um you know more and more uh, companies and uh, um you know organizations recognize the way we are building the software is truly to protect them. And we want to deliver that value proposition. And very soon, hopefully, it's, a, it's actually going to be across the whole globe. And um, for example, we're actually having some very major um, partnership happening with really major uh, organizations across, across the globe and to promote that type of innovation, this type of awareness, and then everyone needs to be protected. All the information should be protected. So I think um, uh, my goal is through those uh, major partnerships and, uh, you know, doesn't matter, it's um, organization or reseller, master distributor, uh, system implementer, the uh, knowledge can be shared with more and more people. And then um, people actually can actually start um, having a, a solution to move to, to protect them. So uh, so it's a lot of work and I work like a, you know, truly 365 days a year and I never had a, a, any break in the last five years since we started at Shelterton. Um, but I feel it's a very meaningful job and it's really, um, you know, I'm so passionate about this and I really hope um, through our influence and the world will become a much safer place and everyone deserves that a type of safety and we would really want to help everyone i completely agree with that and i think if if we're able to create a world where everything's permission-based and everything's i guess it's just a way of having a bit of a gatekeeper that's a personal one that the owner is the gatekeeper rather than an organization it becomes a person-to-person situation instead that can only mean better things than the current fire hose scenario that we have now where it's all over the place and it does make me think actually that even at scale so even if you guys do become a a global entity and help everyone be safer online and offline as it turns out that can only mean good things that can only be something that's actually better than than what it is now makes me think what the future is like for Delta Zoom, do you have any projects that you're able to share, anything that you're working on? I know we mentioned the social media thing. Don't know if that's an actual thing. 
But what's it like for you in the future? How do you see this going? Yeah, we have a few partnerships now in uh, healthcare is to uh, protect um, those uh, medical records. So um, so those are um, this year, we are actually also delivering a product called Health GPS. So we currently have document GPS is uh, for uh, all the organization documents, contracts, content protection. And then we will actually transform this, uh, the same technology into more healthcare related, more healthcare specific um, uh, protection tool. And also for patients who very easily, securely access their medical data and can uh, share with other people they, they need to uh, share with. So that's a, a one quite a major um uh, innovation happening this year. Then there's uh, another uh, project um, we actually uh, partnering with very major uh, global entity is to work on the um, the um, infusing blockchain uh, signature into your email documents. So we already have the email native attachments through document GPS. So when you attach email, it immediately tokenize your uh, attachment. And then through there, you have ownership, you control your recipient's access and you don't let people download, you can revoke. So you don't have the sense regret anymore. After you send out, you can revoke. So um, so now we're adding more uh, innovation into the same area and to protect uh, people signing contract, they also will be protected. So they have blockchain e-signature and they will also have all the convenience that um, brings in for the immutability and the, you know the, it really helps the legal industry, financial services a lot. So they have um, um, two to three very major uh, innovation waves uh, coming up soon. And, but uh, even uh, with our existing um, products, and it's already, um, you know, kind of a, the, to an extent, it's, um, you know, really uh, preventing data breach to a very high level now. And we're just continuously adding new ways of controlling um, these uh, data, prevent, uh, the information leaks and the uh, data breach. How can people also connect with you, Chow? So you on social media. How can people find Shelter Zoom? People that are curious, they want to connect with you, they want to enter your world a little bit, use Shelter Zoom as much as possible. How can they do that? Yeah, they can actually go to our website, shelterzoom.com. There's a contact us um, uh, area, or they can email us info at shelterzoom.com. Obviously, we love people to follow us on our social medias. So we have LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. So if they want to uh, follow us, uh, yeah, I would really welcome. And we will post uh, most uh, up-to-date information, sometimes provide education, provide use cases. So uh, recently we got uh, one story was really um, very, um, people very interested is uh, Apple's phone, uh, Apple phone, right? They've been hackers actually just uh, know your password. And after they get into your um phone they because they remember your password and they immediately lock you out so there are so many victims now and because they lose their iphone password and all their bank accounts you know the money get taken out all their identity got uh, changed to something else and they couldn't even get apple to restore that for them because Apple could not identify you are the right person anymore so because you store everything in icloud in everything in your 
um, on your phone, the photos, you know, your social security, everything. So now the hackers can find that way. And then what we actually say, uh, try to say is if you actually install document GPS and at least it's a different channel and they can't get in and you can divert all your photos, all your private information into document GPS. And even they hack, they get your password into your phone they're not going to know who you, you know, who you are and all these things. So it really protects you. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of just one use case we sometimes highlight on our social media. And I think it would be great for people to, start, uh, you know, learn more and more and knowing how dangerous this world is, really. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Really enjoyed it. I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. Lovely talking to you.